I'm Gregory Berg, and if you're celebrating Christmas today, Merry Christmas to you and yours. All this week and next week, we are replaying some of our favorite morning show interviews from 2021. And the interview that I am replaying today is the interview which probably generated more positive response than any other single interview that aired all year long. I hope you enjoy this. We're spending today's morning show speaking with a really fine writer, uh, photographer, journalist by the name of Matthew Paul Turner. He has written a number of really important books, uh, much of them uh, from a Christian perspective, books uh, like The Christian Culture Survival Guide, Provocative Faith, uh, Walking Away from Ordinary, uh, a former editor of CCM Magazine, which refers to contemporary Christian music. But more recently, uh, the focus, uh, primary focus of his energies has been in the creation of some truly superb books for children, children's picture books, if you will, and uh, with titles like When God Made You, All the Colors of Christmas, When God Made the World, When I Pray for You, or When God Made Light. Um, His most recent book, however, is not entirely his own, but actually a book that was begun by another wonderful writer by the name of Rachel Held Evans, an author, columnist, blogger, with a number of of books to her credit, including a bestseller called Searching for Sunday. She was at work on uh, a beautiful children's book and then unexpectedly fell ill and died. Uh, A really tragic loss for all who uh, appreciated her and her wonderful work. Matthew Paul Turner was asked to complete that wonderful book called What is God Like? And over the next few minutes, we're going to be talking about what that experience was like for Matthew to uh, have to sort of step into the midst of a, of a tragically sorrowful situation and uh, finish this work begun by his friend and uh, what kind of challenge that represented and uh, what he thinks this book really represents. Uh, The book, again, is What is God Like? And Matthew Paul Turner, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. Grateful to be here. Um, Before we talk specifically about this latest book, I wonder if you could just talk for a moment about the transition you made. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to assume that you shut one door and opened another and left you know, other kinds of books entirely behind you. But at some point, it appears that you shifted your creative energies towards creating these wonderful, colorful picture books for children. Um, when sure. did that shift occur, and did it occur for any particular reason? Well, I, um, after my daughter was born, um, Adeline, uh, she's my second child, and I, you know, was already starting to read to my my oldest, Elias, and, you know, when I ever, anytime I read to them books about God, I was always just, I found myself editing, self-editing the, the things that I would read to them, and, and I found that their interest in the, in the books about faith were just a little bit less than their interest in other books. Now, Sometimes that's normal just because, you know, that it's hard for kids to grasp faith. But I just, um, 
I grew up, you know, rhyming was my very first connection to um, uh, writing. Uh, as a kid, I, you know, I was constantly writing song lyrics and poems. And so I took a chance on trying to write a book about God um, in a, in a, for children. And I came up with this idea. Um, and it was at the time, the book was called When God Made Light. And I took it to every, or my agent took it to every publisher, and every publisher said no. Um, and so um, I ended up self publishing that book. And we ended up selling all the t- all the the copies that we printed, which we had printed like five thousand. Um, and one of the publishers came back and said, "Hey, let's do this." Um, and so I found that I have found a lot of creative energy in writing for kids, which is something that has surprised me. Um, and so it is uh, the, the connection that people have felt to these books has been so profound that it has, um, it has made switching a kind of like switching gears or, you know, transitioning, if you will, um, a, um, a really beautiful kind of life changing thing for me too. Hmm. So it has, um, yeah. So like, certainly it was because I had kids and, and then it was sort of birthed out of this idea of, of people connecting to the work. I think some people make assumptions about uh, how hard it is to write a, a, a 300 page book uh, meant for adults uh, versus mm-hmm. writing a 20 page book intended for young children, and that the latter would be a whole lot easier than the former. And perhaps in some respects, maybe it is, but I think the, sure. the average person, myself included, probably does not begin to understand sort of the uh, array of of challenging choices that are part of crafting a really first-rate children's book. Uh, As someone who has done this now uh, time and time again, you know better than anybody uh, the nature of those challenges. What what are they? Well, I think it's, um, you know, the big challenges are just finding a topic that resonates, that will resonate with children, that you as an adult can kind of g- grasp in a way that is childlike. Um, I think that uh, instilling your words with um, wonder and uh, whimsy and uh, just lots of imagination. You know, it's, um, I, <laughs> I have written books that are 70, 80,000 words long, um, and now my biggest focus is on books that are roughly a thousand words. And I now, I spend almost as much time on these thousand word books um, as I do from a, you know, I mean, not as intense time, but is, is I, I, it takes me six, six to eight months to finish a book uh, that is a thousand words. And it often had to, it would take me, you know, uh, six to eight months to finish a book that is, you know, 50 to 60,000 words. So it's, um, it, but it's just a different type of writing. It's getting into the, the, you know, it's becoming childlike and, you know, embracing the ideas that, that children think about and look for and um, trying to see it from their perspective. And, it, you know, and it, it's certainly, it's, a, it's about introducing them to new words, but also giving them enough words that they already understand that they can connect to 
Um, and so finding that balance and finding the rhymes, like most of my books rhyme, though this new one doesn't, but um, the majority of my books have a rhyming scheme to them. And so making sure that it's um, that, 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 that I'm not just like putting down on paper throwaway rhymes, that these rhymes are, are, are giving, you know, always adding to the idea, always um, lending themselves to uh, bringing the topic to the child in a way that is easy for them to understand. I think that's, um, it's, it's, it's more difficult than one might think. Um, and, and I, for some reason, find so much life in it. Like mm-hmm. I find, a, I, I, I really enjoy it. Mm. I, I'm glad you touched a little more deeply on the matter of the rhyming. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of, of when I, and I, of course I read a ton of books uh, in this line of work, and so often when I'm reading a book about, uh, for instance, uh, being a great leader or something like that, that you know, often the, 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 the framework of the book will be that there are these three things you need to be a good leader, and it's excellence and educated and, and, uh, and energetic or whatever it might be, but you know, the right. three E's of whatever. <laughs> and, and I'm always a little suspicious because I think, well, is that, I mean, I know they all start with E, so there's something kind of fun about that, but is that really the three things? I mean, I, I find myself kind of mistrusting a, a book that, that values alliteration to that extent, or just, you know, three yeah. words starting with the same letter. Uh, and, and, uh, so anyway, but I'm just thinking now about, uh, I've never thought about this before, in the context of rhyming, although it is mm-hmm. obviously something that gives you great joy and you think it gives readers uh, you know, kind of an extra layer of, of delight, do you ever find that it is also, in a sense, kind of a vice in, in which you, you find yourself needing to say something really important, but you need a word that rhymes with artichoke <laughs> or whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, is it, is it, can it be a source of frustration? Uh, Absolutely. And that's, and at the end of the day, that's one of the reasons why it takes so long to complete a thought. And I, uh, and I'm just, I'm very particular about how my words rhyme and making sure that when I read them out, read the words out loud, that they're not, um, they're not, people are not going to stumble over them. Um, and while I'm certainly, I'm, I'm hardly perfect at that, but I certainly put a lot of time and energy and thought into how all of that plays out. And yes, very much so. There have been times when I've had to throw away um, lines that I love because there was no way to complete them um, <laughs> because I could not get a rhyme to work effectively. We are speaking today on The Morning Show with Matthew Paul Turner, a prolific author of a a wide array of of terrific books. He also had a hand in National Geographic's The Story of God with Morgan Freeman. Uh, Most recently, uh, a great deal of his creative energies have been uh, directed towards the creation of really beautiful children's picture books. And uh, I should mention that you come at these books... Uh, from a Christian perspective, um, how would you describe the audience for which your books are intended? Uh, I mean, for instance, uh, someone not of the Christian faith, should they be thinking about at least some of your books being uh, perhaps appropriate for their own children, or, or maybe not so much? I, um, if, if, if the term God is in any way, shape, or form a part of a family's 
um, vernacular. Uh, my books will lend themselves to uh, being celebrated or read. I have had families of, um, you know, families who are Muslim and families who are of a Jewish heritage and families who are of a Buddhist background all read, you know, all buy my books and find a lot of joy in them. Um, but again, I don't think that, you know, my books aren't for everyone, but if, if the word, if the word or the term God is in your, is a part of how you ex- talk about spiritual things, then they would lend themselves um, to be a part of, you know, your personal story, I think, um, for, for many people. I know that it's, um, uh, spiritual topics are very personal, and so it, you know, I would certainly recommend them reading them first and seeing if they fit. But I, I have found lots, uh, a variety of people have connected to my work that I would have, you know, I, I that that is, but that surprising on one hand, but also just really awesome. I, I love that when people uh, that you know outside of the Christian faith have find value in my my books. So I think that's a, that's a beautiful compliment. And I would certainly think that that applies to this most recent book, which we're going to talk about now, a book called What is God Like? A book which yes. uh, was begun by a highly regarded writer by the name of Rachel Held, uh, Rachel Held Evans. Uh, yes. And um, who unfortunately passed away quite suddenly and unexpectedly at, at the age of, of 37. First of all, mm-hmm. I gather from the, the forward to this book that, uh, that Rachel was somebody that you knew. Uh, oh, I knew Rachel very well. Explain a little yes. more about your connection uh, with her and her family. Mm-hmm. Rachel um, was a, a prolific writer, and when her first book came, or was when she was starting to work on her first book, um, a mutual friend of ours introduced Rachel and I, um, and because she was looking for people, other writers who will re- who would read her book and and potentially endorse it, and so I was one of the very first people she reached out to, and we became friends. Like we ended up doing a, a couple book festivals together, um, and we did several speaking engagements. We, you know, she is like Rachel and I, we live in, we, she lived in, uh, East Tennessee and I live in like the, the, the middle part of Tennessee. And so we, you know, certainly were close enough where we got to see each other on a regular basis. But I, I, like I, she was far talented, far beyond her age. Like she was not just a wonderful writer. She was a incredible speaker, a, I'm a strong advocate for, uh, you know, women and people of color and LGBTQ people and um, uh, like really challenging the church's, uh, the, the church's the many uh, rules and, 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 and laws that they had, they would, they would create that um, would limit certain groups of people and Rachel like just was a phenomenal advocate for um, breaking down those rules and breaking down those laws and, you know, trying to um, give people freedom. 
and uh, she, I, 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 I was her, I was a friend, a dear friend, but I was also just a great admirer of her work. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Rachel evolve into the um, the person of influence that she became. You know, I mean, she ended up being on President Obama's, uh, you know, faith initiative, um, you know, uh, group, and she. When she, after she passed away, you know, um, Hillary Clinton mentioned her on Twitter and, you know, mourned her death. And so, like, she, her, her reach became far greater than, um, than any of us would have thought, <laughs> you know, when we, when, when she and I first met. So, um, I, and I knew her husband, Dan. Um, we, if Dan, I was much closer to Rachel at the time, but Dan, um, after Rachel's uh, passing, Dan and I have become really good friends. Um, Rachel loved my children's books, and it was a um, it was an honor to be even asked to be to take her idea and bring it across the finishing line. The book that uh, we are talking about that that final book for for Rachel and your most recent book, What Is God Like? So tell us first of all anything that you know about uh, the, 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 the genesis of this particular book? That's an interesting choice of words. I didn't even intend it. But, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, the, the, the status of this particular project at the time that uh, Rachel fell ill. Mm-hmm. You know, Rachel was a new mom. She, um, at the time of her death, she was still um, breastfeeding her second baby. Um, and she had another, uh, another young son. And so like, this was when it came to, uh, the things that she talked about, which were spirituality and faith, like she wanted to, she wanted her kids to be introduced to God in a different way than what she, how she was introduced to God that, um, and so it, for some, it, like it made, it makes a lot of sense for, um, Rachel to have begun thinking about like concepts that might have been, you know, um, for children. And so when Dan, when I, when I visited, uh, Rachel for the first time at the hospital, um, you know, Dan and I were sitting around talking and he said, he started talking about these, these children's books ideas that she had started. Um, and I was, I was just so excited. I mean, as a children's book author, I was excited because I, you know, uh, that that was my world, but also the idea of being able to read Rachel's books to my own kids, like just was beyond exciting. So, you know, she had just outlined um, a handful of ideas or concepts and um, we like, and, and, and t- taken them to her editor. So or her, not her editor, her agent. And, um, they were very, very raw and very, very in the beginning stages, but they were simple. They, they all answered like big questions in a very simple, practical way. Um, and this first book is the one that was really the most well thought out, the most well like outlined. Um, and it was um, the, the, all of the ideas and the thoughts were there. She, like it's it, like she the, the theology was there the outline was there and I just basically had to make had to make the thing make the words pretty make the ideas pretty um, and make them sing and so it is um, 
what a, it, like it was just such a joy to take somebody's words who's who I just had so much love and respect for and um and bring this bring it to fruition I you know it was a very emotional experience for me um, a very healing experience for me um it uh like I losing Rachel was a um it, it was it was definitely impactful to so many people who loved and you know loved her of course but it was um what a healing experience to take her words and bring them bring them to life and so can you tell us a little bit more about the nature of this invitation i mean to do this to complete this book that that Rachel had begun um did that invitation come from her publisher or her agent or her her husband. Well, uh, my yes, absolutely. My um, my editor um, was in the beginning stages of considering publishing Rachel's children's books. This and this was two months, three months after uh, Rachel passed away. And she, my my ed, my then editor, called me and said, "Hey, um, we are thinking about doing this. If if we do this, would you be at all interested in?" the you know helping us finish them and i and i told her i was like yes but i would need to um talk to i would i would want to talk to dan and i'd want to talk to you know several of rachel's friends and and so dan had already planned on talking to me at some point um so he and i you know ended up meeting and he was like i know for a fact that if rachel had was here the one thing i know about about Rachel is that she would have reached out to you and asked for your thoughts because you were the, she loved your books. She loved that you were finding success in writing these books and she would have wanted to learn from how you did things. And, um, and so I think it only feels natural for you if you're willing to take this on. Um, and so it, uh, it, wow! It was it it was a beautiful honor. I, I cannot, Greg. I can't put into words hardly the amount of um, time and the uh, energy and the tears that I poured into this. The, these, you know, thousand words. It was um, it was beautiful and it was painful and it was. Um, I think that people, especially the people who knew and loved Rachel, are going to be just really moved by this book and it's been uh, beautiful to see the response already even mm-hmm. though it's you know not even out yet it's a breathtakingly beautiful book i uh very very Thank excited uh, the book uh in its essential framework uh likens god to all kinds of different things in the world mm-hmm. god is like an eagle a river the stars a shepherd a fort a gardener the flame of a candle, and, 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 and so on. That's just a few. And, and I'm just quoting kind of the top of each of these sections in which you go on to explain then how it is mm-hmm. that God is sort of like an eagle and sort of like a river and, 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 and so on. Uh, had all of those specifics already been uh, conceived by Rachel or or was that kind of an incomplete list on which you expanded? Uh, and I'm curious that. to know about just how sure. that how that list was 
was created. Uh, I mean, I think it's a great list, but uh, it's also not an easy list to assemble when one is talking about such a profound topic or profound question. Right. <laughs> you know, um, Rachel had probably um, 70% of the ideas, those big, the, like how she imagined God being like those things, um, they were already written down. They would the the what came after them and how they were explained were like much um that all of those ideas were much more raw and so that's where uh so i certainly and i reached and how i did that how i reached out to or how i came up with the other ideas is i reached out to several of her friends who oh you know were who she respected as theologians and respected as individuals and um, and ask them to kind of give, a, give me one or two ideas that might work well with this list of other ideas. And so, and then I took their ideas that they gave me and I brought them, um, you know, I, I, I defined them and brought, you know, colored the, uh, colored them in with words and, you know, and it became, um, it became a, a little bit of, I, I didn't want to just like, I didn't want to add to Rachel's idea in a vacuum. I wanted, I wanted it to be a, um, I wanted, I wanted help. I wanted it to be a communal thing a little bit of, of those of people in her circle who loved her as much as I did. And I think that was the, um, was a really, I think it was ended up being a really good way to kind of embrace the diversity that's in the book, the diversity of God, the, um, the, the the diversity that Rachel um, promoted in the sense of how she thought and the people she um, fought for. And so I think that it just made sense for me to bring other people into the idea, um, into helping create the idea. And so that definitely um, was a life-giving thing. Like it really brought life to the book. Um, and so I, I added any word that I added, I added with great care, um, knowing Rachel's uh, like, though the thing that, <laughs> the thing that I always uh, tell people about Rachel is that when she covered something, she covered it with such, um, w- with a thorough, well-researched thing. Like if there was a topic that she was going to, um, lend her voice to, she always did her homework like well beyond most people. And, um, and so I wanted to make sure that, uh, because even though this was a children's book and not necessarily a, a book for, you know, certainly it's a book for adults too, but like it wasn't a, you know, a book written to adults. Um, I still wanted it to be, um, well thought out and like and and pour all of the same energy that she would have poured into it. Hmm. It does not rhyme as your previous children's <laughs> books uh, 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 do, and I'm just curious about that decision. Was that in part to make this book more emphatically Rachel's rather than your own, or uh, or were there other or any other reasons why you chose to? Uh, craft the words in the way that you do? Well, I, I honestly think that, um, I don't think from what we, well, from what I can gather from or, or, or Rachel's original idea is that she did not intend it to rhyme. 
Um, and I wanted my, my goal and hope was to finish this work, but finish it in a way that sort of, um, that sort of really allowed Rachel to shine. Um, I wanted her, I wanted people to read this book and, and, and hopefully hear Rachel. Um, and, and, and as when I finished and when we uh, were sharing it with a few of her friends, like, like without even asking them, they, one of the things that a couple of them said was, but my gosh, Matthew, this book, I swear, I know that you helped write it, but like, I don't hear you at all. Like, yeah, I hear Rachel. And that is like the, the most beautiful compliment that one can give me with this regarding this book, because I really wanted Rachel's voice to shine. And because she, from everything I can tell, like she just did not plan for this book to rhyme. I just decided it, we weren't going to do it that way. Mm. And because I, I, because I had become known, I, my books, the books that I do for kids, um, I am known for my rhyming. I think that it was, um, in order for me to embrace Rachel's voice, I felt like it was necessary for me not to let it rhyme. Well, I love the way that you chose your words, and uh, there is Thank they you. are poetic in a sense. I mean, in a very deep sense, uh, without without the rhyme. And uh, well, there's a rhythm to it. You know, there is a, there's certainly a um, you know it is each page follows the same. Uh, meter in some ways so it's still poetic it just doesn't rhyme as you know like my books do but it um it still has a it still has a very um i wanted it to i wanted it to sing and hopefully that's how i framed those questions and the the, the statements that follow um i i hope it does sing in a in a with a meter or with a with a beat mm. and so i think it really does just to give our listeners mm. one brief example um one page of the book says this god is like the flame of a candle warm and inviting with god close by you can look to the light and see through the darkest of nights I mean that's that's poetic, and uh, even even without the rhyme, and uh, and just just beautifully conceived. We've not yet talked about uh, the exquisite visuals of this book. Uh, I want you to mm. tell our listeners about uh, the talented illustrator who uh, plays really an, an indispensable role in the ultimate beauty of this book. Well, working with Ying Wee Tan was just one of the um, one of the most glorious parts of this project because uh, Ying Wee is from Malaysia. She lives in the UK, um, and she really captured the vision that uh, that that I and you know Rachel's husband Dan um, kind of like put forth and as we watched this project you know we you, you we got pencil drawings and then we got like pencil drawings with just a little bit of color and then we and like with each um you know rendition of her vision for the book like we just started to see this big and epic beautiful um cast of characters um this beautiful like display of uh, this mix of like real life with very much like wonder and imagined life. And it, it was, it was just 
a really beautiful thing to see this book come to life visually. And I feel like she really takes Rachel's and my words and brings them to life in a way that um, is so full of color and it's vivid and it's, um, it's at one moment wild and, you know, uh, wild and chaotic. And, and, and then other times it's just intimate and, and, and very specific. And it's just, um, I can't wait for people to see it. Like, it's just so, so beautiful. Do you sense that writing this book, finishing Rachel's work, uh, has in a sense affected the way you will do this work from this point on? I mean, has, has this in any way shifted or altered your perspective in terms of what is most important in, in crafting beautiful and fun and meaningful children's books? Well, I, I think that, um, I think this experience has changed me to some degree. Like I think it has, um, it has been a very moving and healing and hope filled experience for me. So I think that, that in of itself, in and of itself will lend itself to how I create in the future. Um, as far as how it changes what I do, like, and how I do it, I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll probably, I'll probably still keep writing books in, a, in, in rhyme. And, um, and I, I, I think that, um, I think it has changed me spiritually. Like, I think that that's where it will have an impact. Um, and because I have yet to write it, like I am in the process of writing my next book, um, after this one. So it's, uh, we'll see. That's mm-hmm. a really great question. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the idea of how, I, how that plays out. And I, but I don't know yet. Hmm. Uh, How it will change my craft anyway. Right. The book again is What Is God Like? It is published by Convergent Books. We are recording this uh, interview uh, on Monday the 14th, and the book actually is released to the world on the 15th. And uh, yes. our, our listeners are, are hearing this broadcast on Wednesday the 16th uh, with the book already out into the world. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Matthew Paul Turner. Uh, who, as we've just been talking about, very carefully and sensitively finished the work begun by uh, the beloved author, uh, Rachel Held Evans, who uh, sadly passed away in 2019, uh, suddenly and unexpectedly uh, at the age of 37. And uh, her final book, in a sense, and Matthew Paul Turner's most recent, What Is God Like? Matthew Paul Turner, uh, you have a long uh, career that has involved a, a lot of different uh, writing. Uh, you also have a, a, a career that uh, generated uh, headlines of a very different nature, of course, not, not too long ago. And that yeah. was when you, uh, in a sense, made an announcement to the world uh, about who you are. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if you would tell our listeners about this really important moment uh, in your life and what brought you to this point in your life? Well, it's, um, I, uh, last July, um, 2020, I announced to, uh, I announced on social media that, that I was a gay man and that I had always been a gay man, um, but that I had, Never while that while I had found freedom to uh, to inspire 
other people to live their truth um, and to fe- and to be to be known and loved by God, to feel loved and known by God. Um, I had, I had never gotten to a place where I could do that. I was raised in a very very conservative um, Christian uh, church. I mean, to give you an idea, I had Barbies burned in front of me to explain hell as a kid. Um, so I was very much, uh, my faith was laced in fear um, and, in, and in shame. And I, even though I knew I was gay by the time I was 16 or 17, I, um, I, I could, the idea of being myself and living my truth um, was a, it, 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 there was no way for me to get to a place where I could experience that. Um, and so I went to college and I, you know, got, ended up getting married, uh, marrying my best friend, um, my, my wife, Jessica, um, and we had three kids and, and it wasn't until uh, 2019, very much right around the time um, Rachel was in the hospital, like um, I was going through a great um, battle with depression um, and just really had really kind of lost my lost myself a little bit. And it was in that process that I eventually came out to my wife. Um, we were both in therapy, uh, counseling, and and over time, it took us a year to really kind of decide what it what our next steps would be. And Jessica has, um, I, I, I can honestly say that without Jessica being involved in my story, I would not have been able to find. I don't think I would have been able to find the strength um, to do what I knew needed to be done. And, um, so Rachel or so Jessica and I actually announced, made the announcement together that we were, um, that I was coming out and that I, that, that, that we were ending our marriage, but that we were ending it on the basis of a sincere love and gratitude for each other and a friendship that would still, um, you know, carry on. And, you know, now I, we, even though we live on, live in two different houses now, um, we, uh, we are wonderful co-parents. Um, we are very much best friends and, um, a lot has, uh, though it's been a hard road, no doubt. Um, there has been a lot of healing in the last year. Um, there's been a lot of hope that we've found along the way. Um, and I have, uh, I can't tell you, how much joy and like how much joy and acceptance and light I have felt in my own life, just being able to be myself for the first time um, as a 40 something year old man. And it was, it's been a beautiful journey. Did you have any fears about what this might mean for you professionally? Did you, fear oh. that there might be ramifications of any kind uh, for you in terms of your <laughs> well, your of voice course, in the world. Yes, <laughs> um, I did. I, I thought that I, I, I wasn't sure that um, 
that I would have a career, like, a, a, you know, at, at least the, a career that looked anything like the one that I had. Um, but I knew that my I knew that my publisher was behind me. I knew that um, I knew I had a lot of people cheering for me, but I didn't know whether or not people would continue buying books about God from somebody who um, had come out as gay. Um, and I have been <clears throat> I have been blown away by the the love and acceptance that I've received from my fan base, um, from the people who have bought my books um, over and over again. And so it is, um, while I'm sure that there are people out there that that wouldn't think of or consider buying my book um, because uh, on the basis of my orientation, I, I don't hear from those people, at least not very often. I, I mean, I did at the very beginning, don't get me wrong. When I first came out, like it was, it was a wild, it was a wild journey, <laughs> mm. but um, like for the most part, I have had a very um, positive and life-giving experience of, you know, coming into my own um, truth. And, you know, I've, I've received, for the most part, love and acceptance. Um, certainly that's not like oh, 100% across the board, but I've been blown away by the fact that I, not only do I still have a career, that, I'm, that it, my career is still thriving, that people are still buying my books. Um, and, um, you know, like, you know, my 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 new book is is out and it's doing really well and it's um i feel really blessed to be able to um to live my truth and get to do what i do mm. um i hope this isn't too personal a question um you are a father of i think two children am i right? three kids three three three, three, three children and i don't uh-huh. know of what age they are that they're in a position to really understand any of this. Can you just say a quick word about that particular challenge of sharing this with them? Uh, and I'm mostly well, asking would, because yeah. that it might be helpful for someone else who maybe finds themselves in a similar situation. Absolutely. I have three kids. Um, my oldest is Elias and he will be, he's almost 13. Uh, my middle child is Adeline and she will be 10 in a few days. And then I have Ezra who is six and a half. And, um, I told them that it was, it was a year ago that I told them that I was gay one year ago, actually this, this week. And, um, my kids have been the most supportive, the most loving, the most, um, hope, filled part of this journey like they have supported and like did i mean were they were they were they sad that mommy and daddy were you know not going to be married anymore absolutely i mean there's there was there was real pain and real um hardship that we had to walk through um but the the thing that i have found is that the love that my kids have shown me has shown me has like been life-giving. Um, they asked wonderful questions and I answered them honestly. Um, and it was a, many of the fears that I was consumed by for so long. Um, 
my, my, you know, uh, my kids broke down. My kids broke those fears down. My kids gave me um, the ability to see a different story, to be less afraid. And they're, um, they're, doing, they're doing really, really well. And we've all adjusted to this new, this new story. And while it's certainly like everybody's story, um, and when it changes, it has, there, there are challenges that we're still walking through. Um, but we have always given space and time for our kids to talk about their story, talk about their challenges, and talk about how they're feeling. Um, and in those and, and in those conversations, we've always found love and life. Um, and it has been, um, I, I mean, I, I you know, when they're older, I, I I would want them to be able to express their own experience of it all. But from my perspective. They have, um, it has been a beautiful thing for all of us to walk through. Um, even, even though it's been hard at times, um, it has been a, a powerful and, um, lovely journey. Mm. And the, and my daughter can't walk past the rainbow without pointing at me and saying, daddy, look, like, so, <laughs> um, it's been, uh, so that's a, been a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing. Mm. So. Matthew Paul Turner. And by the way, um, in a blog that you wrote uh, several years ago, uh, you wrote these words, nothing fights fear like beauty. And uh, I love those words. Maybe someday we can have a conversation about what is behind them. But uh, uh, I know you believe them. I believe those words as well. And uh, I so appreciate this exquisite new book that comes to you from uh, and from the, the the genius of of Rachel Held Evans, what is God like? Published by Convergent uh, Publishing. Matthew Paul Turner, thank you so much for making time for this conversation. Thank you, and best wishes thank to you. Thank you so much for having me.